and uh, good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Uh, this is Mark Carey, the mayor's media director in the mayor's office, Mayor Thomas P. Koch, sitting with me. This is his podcast. It's called City View with Mayor Tom Koch. It is uh, it's searchable under Podcast Quincy. So find your favorite podcast platform and search Podcast Quincy. And Mayor, hello. Hello, Mark. <laughs> Sorry for that dragged out. Uh, it's rainy. We're all a little bit... Uh, wet today speak for yourself all right it's a thursday afternoon when we're recording this podcast it'll go up uh well today it'll go up rain is helping all those new trees that the department of natural resources planted just a couple months ago there's always some good that comes out of things it really is sure the department of natural resources is a great thing that came out of this office isn't it it's a great thing doing great work down there for the environment of our great city of quincy Absolutely. Mayor, um, you know, let's, let's talk about, about the new, the t- I can't believe that the, the, the biggest news story is, and it makes sense because of Florida and Tennessee and all these different places that are, the vaccination rate in the state is like 33%. It, it has become the national news story again. People are putting masks on. We just experienced it last week when we were down in D.C. We had to right. put our masks on everywhere we went. And, Not uh, everywhere, but the federal buildings. Yeah, right. right. But it's getting to the point where, you know, we're almost heading backwards a little bit and you know, let's just talk a little bit about that and how we're a little bit unique here up in Massachusetts. Well, I I think, you know, as as we know, over the past year and several months now, we've been dealing with this issue as a nation, as a world. And it's it's been talked about that, you know, even when we got to the point of having a vaccination, that there could be variants. It's, it's like the flu that, you know, this thing may never go completely away. We're going to have to deal with it for years to come. And that's what seems to be happening, uh, as was prescribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, in Massachusetts, we're in a good place. I certainly want to give my, uh, my thoughts of gratitude to Governor Baker, because I think him and his team have done a great job. I think he's been extremely consistent from day one. So we're going to follow the science. We're going to follow the data. And, and we're going to listen to the public health community, the medical community, to make sound decisions. And I think he has, and he hasn't, I don't think he's overdone it with mandates. I think that they've done a real decent job. And as you know, the latest recommendations uh, that have come out do not include a mandate on mass, but suggesting some different things. But uh, Massachusetts is in a good place where we're part of, as most people should know, but we're part of Norfolk County. And in Norfolk County, at, um, 12 plus age are fully vaccinated uh, at a rate of 75%. So that's a darn good rate, especially when you compare some of the other states. And by the way, there's still nations in the world struggling to get initial vaccines. Yeah. So I think we're in a, a lot better place. And as science is saying that if there are those that have been vaccinated, have gotten the variant, but they don't get as sick, then people don't seem to be dying from that. Um, no, I'm not a doctor and I'm not making projections here. I'm just making observations for what I read and see uh, going on out there. So... I think we're, we're certainly in a far better place than we were a year ago. Yeah. Um, and now we've got the playbook under our belt. We know what we should be doing, how we should be responding. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, people to overreact. Sometimes the news can be very, very uh, depressing and gloomy. And certainly we're a small world now, so you see on the news what's happening in Texas or Florida and some of these other places. That's not Massachusetts. Now, it has an impact because... A lot of people travel with their, you know, their profession, their way of life. That's being affected. I just ran into a woman whose daughter's getting married to a kid who's from Ireland, and uh, he lives here now, but trying to get the wedding put together. It's been postponed four times. The international travel. I mean, all these things have great implications. Europe, you know, Europe has 
certain rules and certain other countries do it differently. And um, so it's still going to, this is, this is going to be with us for a while and it, it's going to have implications for a while. So um, again, I don't want, I don't want to sound cold or callous at all. Um, we know firsthand over the last, uh, you know, 18 months or so what's going on. And we, we know of people, we lost people, we've lost friends to this. So it's, mm. uh, I'm not, trying to underestimate anything here, but I, but I think it's important to keep everything in perspective that we're in a much better place than we were a year ago that, you know, 75% are vaccinated and, and more happens every day. So, you know, by the fall, hopefully we'll be nearly that we'll never be hundred percent because not everyone will get fully vaccinated. Right. I mean, there are people right. that have legitimate health issues. They can't get vaccinated. Some have religious issues that they don't want to get vaccinated. Um, and I certainly don't want to be, it's Mary of Quincy mandating that somebody has to get vaccinated. I think that's the decision we have to make as individuals. Right. Particularly when it comes to kids. I, you know, I know I, I've been asked that question about schools in the fall. You know, should it be mandated that, uh, you know, kids get vaccinated? And, and I believe that's a parent's decision. That's, that's certainly not something government should be telling parents to do with their children. Uh, there's enough information out there now uh, for people to make the, the best decision. And um, that's, that's a personal decision. I also remind people, particularly adults that don't have health issues, but for whatever reason, avoiding the vaccination. You know, I, I think there is a little bit of responsibility to your fellow man on this. Uh, and again, I'm not judging anybody, but for those folks that don't have certain conditions that could get vaccinated, I would encourage them to do so. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's important because it, the more they get vaccinated, the better for society overall. Um, and we're going to be making decisions for our schools for this fall. And some of the recommendations that came down from the state included perhaps uh, kids K through sixth grade, I think, with suggesting they wear masks. Um, you know, we'll have conversations with my colleagues in the school committee. We'll certainly will be talking to the superintendent, the principals. But this summer, we ran a very effective summer program. We had 2,700 kids in our system in mm-hmm. summer school this year. We didn't have an outbreak. And what we did was we left it optional for families. If you're comfortable wearing a mask, you want to wear a mask, you won't be chided for wearing a mask. If you decide not to wear a mask, you won't be chided for not wearing a mask. Mm. And I think that's the approach I'd like to take for the fall. We'll see what happens with my colleagues when we get to this discussion. But generally speaking, the, the, the kids have not really gotten that sick. And when they have gotten it, they, they recover much more quickly and don't seem to have some of the major effects that an adult would have with other all kinds of issues. Um, so, again, I'm speaking generally. There's exceptions to everything. And certainly a kid that may have some special health conditions, um, that's, that's, that's different. Um, so uh, I think we've got to take it one day at a time, just like we've been doing over this past year, that we'll, we'll monitor things, we'll see how things go, we'll make the best decisions we can, uh, work with our colleagues in government to keep everybody as safe and healthy as we possibly can. But the key here has been, like you just said, 73% or 75% vaccinated, fully vaccinated in the state, and then even higher than that, not fully vaccinated, like 80-something percent. And it's it's because we're so vaccinated that it's just not going to have outbreaks. I mean, we're talking about when you hear about Florida or Tennessee or Texas, they're like 30% vaccinated or 33% vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, Norfolk County, I mentioned 75% fully vaccinated, 83% with with the minimum of one dose. So we, we are getting very close to that to that top number. So that's, yeah. that's a good thing. And so congratulations to the people of Massachusetts for, for what they're doing. And these figures are from the state of Massachusetts website, mass.gov. Check them out. You can find out all kinds of great COVID information there. Uh, you know, even the hospitalizations this week, I believe were like 0.009%. So right. because of right. uh, from COVID specifically. Yep. And, and certainly if you have a family member in the hospital, that's your world. 
You know? Yeah, of so course. It's, it's 100% to them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I don't, again, I don't want to minimize anything, but uh, what you're doing, what I'm doing is we're trying to put this in perspective. There's no need to panic. You know, we should all continue to act responsibly and, uh, you know, and uh, we'll monitor day by day and make decisions as we see best fit. Great. Okay, Mayor, I think it's important to bring that up with that being the national story today and yesterday and man, they love to, <laughs> I was going to say that the media loves to, anyway, I'm not going to go on that road, but we had a great uh, successful week last week. We were um, uh, in DC and we got to go to the Pentagon and, and meet with uh, the chairman, chief of staff, excuse me, the chief of staff of the army. That's correct. It was a great, uh, great week. As you know, well, Mark, we've been working hard on a documentary to go with the general's bridge and park dedication. So we've been interviewing, uh, obviously the generals that are with, still with us, the five generals that are living, uh, some of their family members, in some cases, a couple of their dads. Uh, we'll be doing Dick Stratton, who's going to be part of the event, former POW in Vietnam. And, of course, we're going to be really memorializing all of this, the, the sculptor, Sergei, and, and the portrait artist, and what went into it. So at the end of the day, we'll have a nice documentary out of this whole this whole dedication. As, as you know, there's a lot more to it than what it sounds like. Uh, it's a big weekend it's, it's really going to be a historic day with the city of presidents. We're also the city of generals. There's a lot of history in the city militarily, and, and, and I think this is going to be awesome for, for our folks that have served and continue to serve. And I think we'll be an inspiration for those that would want to serve to, in honoring these people. So, yeah, General McConville, as you know, rolled out the carpet for us at, at the Pentagon. Security is, these days is very, very tight. And um, mm. uh, he, I, I, he, was, he was a terrific interview, as you know, Mark. You you. You were there with the cameras, and and uh, I mean, I mean, he was succinct. He was direct. He he had clear feelings about leadership and mm. and the military and this country. Uh, phenomenal individual and extremely extremely bright. I tell you, anytime I've met some of these folks at that level, it makes you feel better uh, sleeping at night about protecting our nation. I'll tell you. So there's one question I need to ask you because you've been asking the generals this. And uh, clearly it's, uh, you know, getting it from them, and we'll hear that in the documentary, we'll hear that from them later. You've been asking this question, I think it's really interesting, and, and just to give a little feedback, if you will, on, you know, we had, we've had we had 18 generals since the American Revolution, as you've said here before on the show, as well as, you know, the leadership of, of our armed forces, right from the same neighborhood. We're talking about Dunford, uh, General uh, Joe Dunford, who and, and General uh, Jim McConville, who are from a block away from each other. What is in the water in Quincy? I'm asking you this question. I know that you've asked them that, but what is it about this area, this community that has uh, it's, produced It's interesting. That? The, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff now is from Winchester, Mass. There's, there's been a heavy concentration of leadership in the military from the Northeast. Uh, certainly Massachusetts. I mean, General Kelly from Brighton, uh, General Neal from Hull. I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, but Quincy is really uh, one of those special places, and it speaks to uh, military history in that, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but per capita, the amount of people serving for Quincy is higher than the average community across the country. So there's, there's definitely a feeling of service and of patriotism that leads to joining the military. Um, and I think part of the, the leadership part is that uh, people that go in, and I, I don't want to uh, demean anybody, but... We're more heavily educated in the Northeast. There's no question about mm. it. It, it. It's it's valued much more here than some other parts of the country. So, so I think some several of people that are going to serve go in already with a leg up in, in that they've been extremely educated uh, in many ways. So I think that may play a part of it. Um, I, I got to believe, 
you know, I talked about the military service, you know, the a whole history, John Adams, Hancock and Abigail. I think that all plays into it. I really do. When you really think about where we're from and who walked the walks here or walked down the streets or the paths. Um, we're walking the same paths as Hancock and Adams. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Quincy Adams and on and on. So you go, hey, this, the first mayor of Quincy was a Civil War hero, Charles Porter. Wow. He served in the Civil War. Uh, so uh, it's pretty cool from where we're from. Leadership comes in many forms. We've talked about that. And uh, I think in many cases, uh, I, what I love is leadership by example. And the, the, these folks that we're honoring lived it, breathed it, um, didn't have to preach about it. Just follow their conduct, follow their policy, follow their careers, and you'll say each of them are truly a great leader. I know you're a history, history buff, and especially we have, we have so much of it here, and I know you've been reading a lot about this stuff and reading about these generals and talking to these generals, and one of the qualities that really shines through is you know, character and humility always in leadership. Yeah, I mean, you, you could run it down, right? Integrity, courage, dedication, loyalty, uh, all of those things. But, uh, you know, I have been amazed by the humility of these guys. I mean, these guys, you know, General McConville's in charge of more than a million people in the U.S. Army. Uh, and he's as humble and gracious as anyone I've ever met. Joe Dunford was the same way. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the highest military uniform position there is in the land in the world. And he'd stop and hold the door and open it for you. I mean, just... Just unique individuals, and, and, and knowing the families they come from, I think that plays a part of it. Uh, how you're raised, the values you're raised with, your faith, whatever your faith walk is, plays a part in that, um, and who you serve with plays a part in that. But uh, I had a conversation with um, a general by the name of Dennis Reimer uh, just the other night who's going to be introducing General Sullivan. He was also a chief of staff of the Army, uh, General Reimer, and, and he, he was in Minnesota, but he was heading back to Virginia. Um, he wanted to get an understanding of what the day was all about, I was filling him in, and he went on and on about not only Sullivan, who he knows personally, but about Dunford and McConville. He says, these guys aren't just four-star generals. These guys are incredible commanders and leaders that this country has been so fortunate to have. So to hear that from like an outside person, who's also a four-star general, by the way, talk about these individuals, it's, it's just incredible and reinforces uh, the reasons why we've done this or are doing this. And I, and I, I hope it does serve as a a place that people will get uh, inspiration to serve. Whether it's, you know, it's, service doesn't have to be in the military either, right? Service comes in many forms. We've got 180 people that serve on boards and commissions in Quincy. That's public service, planning boards. Oh, they don't get paid for that. Oh. It's service. They love this city and they want to do it. Uh, and, you know, policemen, firemen, teachers, that's that's service. You don't go in that to make money. Though they, I think they'd you get a good paycheck, yeah. but you're, you're in a, a different category of service. So, of course, the elected folks, that's a whole other category. But we need people to step up and serve in our communities, in our country. You know, the old quote from JFK, right? Yep. And ask what your yep. country can do for you. What, you. what can you do for your country? So, uh, not to get too corny, but they, but these, these guys are just amazing. Uh, yeah. They really are. As you know, McConville was the last of the general's interviews that we're doing. It, it's been a delight doing each of them, learning a little bit more about their history, their life, mm-hmm. uh, their families, uh, you know, what what inspired them, and, and uh, just incredible. I, I can't imagine on each of them when they were in, in service, and of course McConville still is, as is Frank McGinn, but what goes through their minds every day, and what the, the stuff they have to see and read and hear about, and the secrets they know that we'll never know, <laughs> on and on. Uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty powerful stuff. Somebody said it, I don't know if it was McConville, but somebody said it, when Trump was first in office, he said, what does Don Dunford make? About $5 million a year? 
That's right. You know, no, they don't. But but somebody in that type of responsibility in the private sector would be making that. That's yeah. where the service comes in. Yeah. It's it's partly public service. And uh, truly, and we're, as we, we're lucky to have these guys. Well, thank you, Mayor. And ladies, as we get closer to uh, the date, why don't we just uh, just tell folks about about the date as well, and just what's just to invite them. Sure. We uh, as as folks may know, we moved it. it was originally scheduled for May. We weren't sure in planning whether COVID would be behind us enough, so we moved it to. September and coordinating with General McConville's schedule, uh, 9/11 was one of the dates he could make work. So essentially, that's why we picked it. Most of the other generals retired; they were willing to work with whatever General McConville needed to do. So I think there's some irony here, and I think it's a, probably a nice thing doing it on 20th anniversary of 9/11 because 9/11 was a, was a tragic day for our nation, but also a time of great patriotism where a lot of people joined the service after 9/11 to serve their nation to take down terrorism across the world because we this was the first time we experienced it in our land. Um, so 9-11 is a Saturday. It's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. My guess is the program will run about two hours. Um, it's uh, going to be flag-raising ceremony. There'll be some, some certainly some music, some, uh, some prayer. Um, but the keynote will be the five living generals, each speaking probably eight or ten minutes, a little bit about the experience. Uh, and uh, certainly encourage everyone to come. We're going to have a uh, fair amount of seating. We'll, as we get closer, we'll talk a little bit more about where people should park and those kinds of things. But to circle it in the calendar, I think it's going to be one of those very special days in the history of the city, and, and people will be saying years from now, I was at that. That's right. That is the dedication of the General's Bridge and the General's Park in Quincy. If you know, if you've seen the work on Bergen Parkway, and you want to make sure you stop by there on September 11th and Mayor, that's uh, it's in August. You know, it's the beginning of August, so we don't have. No, summer's flying though, isn't it? We'll get back to the roads and everything else, and and the things that will be there that are happening right now, and we'll talk about those things in the future, and so much more here on. Uh, City View with Mayor Tom Koch. Uh, search for Podcast Quincy. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the rest of it. And uh, thank you, Mayor. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time.